1982, Johnny Gosh was 12 years old. Like many other 12-year-olds, Johnny had a paper route, and each morning before the sun rose, Johnny would leave his house and would be delivering newspapers along his route in Des Moines, Iowa. Gosh had never delivered a paper late. However, on the morning of September the 5th, 1982, the parents of Johnny Gosh started to receive phone calls asking what had happened to their papers, why their papers hadn't been delivered. Something was amiss in West Des Moines. Well, hello, my fellow weirdos. I'm Dom, and this is episode three of Horror House. So, it's a little bit different, this one. It's not about 10-year-olds that I would like to yeet as far as I possibly could. It's not about wrestlers turned serial killers turned taco extraordinaires. Today's episode is about Johnny Gosh, who has been missing since 1982. So, Let's get started talking about the disappearance of Johnny Gosh. So Johnny was born on November the 12th, 1969, in Des Moines, Iowa, to John and Noreen Gosh. Now, as far as early life of Johnny Gosh, that is pretty much what I found. So with that in mind, I'm just going to jump straight into the disappearance of Johnny. So while on his route delivering papers on September the 5th, 1982, Johnny disappeared without a trace between 6 and 7 a.m. Although it was customary for Johnny to wake his father up to help with his paper route, that morning Johnny didn't wake his father up. However, Johnny only took the family's miniature dash hound, Gretchen, which is a fabulous name for a dog. Uh, fabulous name. Plus, if I'm going to be honest... I would probably take the dog too. Other paper carriers would later report having seen Johnny pick up his papers. However, that would be the last sighting that could be corroborated by multiple witnesses. After Noreen and John received calls regarding undelivered papers along Johnny's route, John performed a search of the neighbourhood at around 6am that morning he immediately found Johnny's stack of papers around two blocks from their home. The Goshes immediately called the West Des Moines Police Department to report Johnny missing. However, as there was no note or no ransom demand, the police ruled that it wasn't a kidnapping. And therefore, as was, I believe as was the rule at the time, the police waited 72 hours, yes, the police waited three days to declare Johnny a missing person, which nowadays is, you know, is mad. Just the thought of someone being like, so my son's missing, and then the police are like, oh, sorry, come back in 72 hours? It's a mad concept, and I'll talk about it at the end of the episode, but one of the positive things that came about from this whole case was changes to how that how that worked so 
the so Noreen was highly critical of what she perceives as a slow reaction from authorities saying that police didn't arrive to take a statement for 45 minutes and the rule in place at the time as I as I as I alluded to meant that police couldn't declare Johnny missing for 72 hours initially the police came to believe that Johnny Ro- Johnny was a runaway However, they changed their statement to say that Gosh was abducted. However, being unable to establish a viable motive along with very little evidence, like very little evidence, the stack of papers and Johnny's wagon that he used were the only things that were found. That meant that nobody was arrested in connection with the case. Frustrated by a sluggish response from the police, John and Noreen went on television and also distributed over 10,000 posters. And a little bit of a trivia trivia fact, Gosh was even one of the first children to be put on the side of milk cartons uh, all over the United States. There did seem to be a lead early on in the investigation. Private investigators hired by John and Noreen were able to find two witnesses that reported seeing their son talking to a man in a blue Ford Fairmont on the morning of his disappearance. However, without a plate to go on, the lead went cold and and went cold quickly. Two years later, another paperboy called Eugene Martin also went missing in Iowa. However, the police were unable to connect the two cases Therefore, no arrests could be made in connection with the disappearance of Eugene and the disappearance of Johnny. So over the years, Noreen has made some pretty interesting claims. In 1989, 21-year-old Paul A. Bonacci told his attorney John DeCamp that he had been abducted into a sex ring with Gosh as a teenager and was forced to participate in Gosh's kidnapping. Noreen later met him and stated that he told her things only he could know from talking with Johnny. He said that Johnny had a birthmark on his chest, a scar on his tongue, and a burn scar on his lower leg. Although a description of the birthmark had been widely circulated, information about the other scars had not been made public. (laughs) Bonacci also described a stammer that Johnny had when he was upset. According to Noreen, early one morning in March of 1997, she was awakened by knocking on her door at 2.30am. Standing in front of her, she states was her now 27-year-old son, Johnny Gosh, which... Mad. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Noreen states that he was accompanied by a man that she had never met, and while they spoke for over an hour, she states that Johnny would look over to the other person for approval to speak. Noreen also states that Johnny didn't say where he was living or where he was going and supposedly told his mother that he was still in danger and because of this, 
could not return home. After this event, Noreen went to the police and had them create a sketch of a now adult Johnny. However, with a lack of evidence beyond Noreen's own claims that it was Johnny that came to visit her, this led to authorities to doubt that Johnny was still alive. On September the 1st, 2006, Noreen reported finding four photographs at her front door. One colour photo showed three boys that were bound and gagged. She claims that a black and white photo appears to show a 12-year-old Johnny Gosh with his mouth gagged and his hands and feet tied and an apparent human brand on his shoulder. A third photo shows a man who was possibly dead who may have had something tied around his neck. Noreen alleged that the man was one of the perpetrators who molested her son. Noreen also states that when Johnny came to visit her in 1997, he told her that he was abducted and placed into a paedophile ring and had been cast aside when he was deemed too old. So, fearing for his life, he lived under an assumed identity and felt it was too unsafe for him to return home. John Gosh, who's Johnny's father, who has been divorced from Noreen since 1993, has stated that he doubts whether the visit ever actually occurred, and many have speculated that it was just someone pretending to be Johnny. Authorities have never located Johnny Gosh or confirmed Noreen's account, and his fate to this day continues to be a source of speculation, conspiracy theories, and dispute. As of 2021, the case of the disappearance of Johnny Gosh remains open. However, with zero arrests made, very little evidence to go on, the case is viewed as a cold case, like I'm talking Arctic winter cold. And that is episode three, The Disappearance, of Johnny Gosh. Johnny has now been missing for nearly 40 years and while Noreen and John have learned to live without their son, the national interest in the case did did do some good. One of these examples of, could you call it a silver lining? One of the good things that came from this, from this case is that in 1984, Iowa passed the Johnny Gosh bill and made it law. With this new law in place, police were required to investigate cases of missing children immediately rather than wait the 72 hours that they waited to investigate the disappearance of Johnny. And it does make you make you think if that rule was in place in 1984 would Johnny have been missing for nearly 40 years or would he have been reunited with his family very quickly you know it makes you think it makes you think but what do you think happened to Johnny Gosh do you think he's still alive do you think he's living under a new identity do you think that it was really him who visited Noreen in 1997 Do you believe that the case will ever get solved or do you think that the case will stay an open, albeit an ice-cold case? Some food for thought. I'd be quite interested to know 
what your thoughts are about this whole situation. As always, if you like what I put out for Horror House, follow the pod, the podcast on Instagram at hhtruecrime and the macabre, on Twitter at hhtruecrimepod, and also give the podcast a like on Facebook at Horror House Pod. Also, rate and leave a review as well if your app allows you. It's a small thing that people may not think about, but when you're a small and still a very young independent podcast such as such as mine a simple review or a simple comment helps out massively so if you feel so inclined please give me some feedback tell me how I'm doing whether it's good or bad feedback I am all ears and all that's left to say is until next time stay spooky